You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. Talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and this episode is hosted by Ryan. We are pleased to present to you two fantastical segments featuring two amazing women who are superheroes in every possible way. Our first segment includes actor Ashley Romans. Ashley Romans stars in the FX series Why the Last Man. Why the Last Man is a drama series based on the DC Comics acclaimed series of the same name by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrera. It traverses a post-apocalyptic world in which a cataclysmic event kills every mammal with a Y chromosome, except for one cisgender man and his pet monkey. The series follows the survivors in this world as they struggle with their efforts to restore what was lost and the opportunity to build something better. In the series, Ashley Romans plays Agent 355. Ashley Romans was only six years old when she saw her then teenage sister play Ruth in the school production of Lorraine Hansberry's A Raisin in the Sun. And from that, the first magical theatrical experience in that hot auditorium, Romans knew acting was what she was meant to do. We are pleased to speak with her in this episode. As of this recording, it was recently announced that Why the Last Man was not renewed for a second season. But we are hoping, with fingers crossed, that this show is picked up on another network. In our second segment, we welcome actor Angelica Washington. The CW drama series DC's Stargirl is where you can find her. This show follows high school sophomore Courtney Whitmore and her father Pat Dugan as she leads an unlikely group of young heroes to take on the legacy of DC's very first superhero team, the Justice Society of America. In the thrilling second season, Courtney and her friends take on one of the most frightening adversaries in DC's mythology, the dark entity of corruption known as Eclipso. Angelica Washington stars as Beth Chappell, also known as Dr. Midnight, on the show. And we are excited to talk to her. If you have not known previously, this is her second time on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. So go back to those archives and listen to our first interview. We're excited to have her back to talk to us about her role in season two. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this fun, superheroine-filled, comic book-centric episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast with Ashley Romans and Angelica Washington. 
Welcome to the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And look, let's go ahead and state some facts right now. We already know that women rule the world because Beyonce told us, like, that's just a fact right now. Okay, let's go ahead and put that out there. But, you know, when we think about this question, though, of women running everything, are we thinking that every creature, every living creature with a Y chromosome is going to be gone? Yeah. So, yeah, think about that one for a little bit. Also, my other question for you, are you watching Why the Last Man FX on Hulu right now? We're about six episodes in. Seventh episode's coming up by the time this drops. Uh, actually, probably more coming up by the time this episode drops when we're recording it. So, yeah, you guys need to check it out if you are lost on what I'm talking about because it will open up so many questions. And my guest today might be able to answer some of those questions. At the very least, she can help us survive it. I'm just going to put that out there right now. I'm talking about Ashley Roman, who <laughs> plays Agent 355. How you doing, Ashley? I'm good. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. This is like I was telling you before we started recording, this series is amazing. It's cool. All at the same time, so many different um, elements and layers to it. So I'm curious to know from you, when you found out your first sitting down, your first table read, you found out you're going to play Agent 355. What were you thinking? Like what, like what popped in your head first? Uh, well, when I found out that I got the role, uh, Eliza Clark, the producer, I, I was expecting to hear from an agent or something or not even hear anything at all, to be honest. <laughs> I think every actor can relate to just not hearing anything, radio silence. But uh, Eliza Clark emailed me and just reached out personally. It was in the evening and said, hey, just want to say I'm really excited to have you on board with us. And uh, I was pretty hyped, but I think what I was mostly thinking is that this character is so cool and she has so many colors. It was such a great opportunity to uh, really explore how expansive the human experience can be. <laughs> and also this character is so disciplined that yes. I, I had to step into a higher version of myself to really play her well. So that was really cool. <laughs> What up? I'm curious because you're very active on Twitter, which is very cool because you could just say, listen, everybody gonna have a comment. Let me just wait till this is all done and out and let me just stay away from social media. But it's so cool to see you interacting with everybody. What's been like, what's the, your feeling seeing everybody react to your character? You know, it's funny that you say I'm active on Twitter. I, I, I'm trying to get better at social media, but I, I'll take the compliment. I think I was telling my partner this the other day. I have never known the internet to be a kind or supportive place. <laughs> That has never been my experience of the internet. Truth, exactly. Yeah, speak it, yep. You already know. Like, just the other day, somebody apologized for something, and then everyone tore them apart for their apology. <laughs> I was just thinking... This, it's brutal, yeah. <laughs> the internet is vicious, and um, that has not been the experience on the show. And honestly, <laughs> the whole time I was, like, peeking through... <laughs> I don't even know what you would call this, but for the for the listeners, I'm just peeking through my hands. And, you know, I really appreciate the support. I appreciate that everyone's enjoying it. And then also at the same time, I think every artist or creative person understands you really can't put that much value on public opinion because it is so fickle. It changes yeah, up yeah, on you yeah. in a dime. So, yeah, people, I'm glad that people enjoy the character. But also, too, let's be honest, this character is a war criminal. <laughs> she's not, she's a murderer. <laughs> she's a liar, <laughs> gaslighter, manipulator. And uh, I had to find all of that part that exists in myself. She, you know, I don't know, you could cut this out if you want, but she's a fuckboy. She's a recovering fuckboy. <laughs> I'm trying to get you better. know what I wasn't even thinking about this but it, it kind of explains a lot when you put it when you put it into like a frame like this is explains a lot but you know what let me go back for a minute though because mm -hmm. you know you don't always want to try to pinpoint you know diversity and inclusion but it's important too because there's so many projects that won't include it 
you know, yeah. that won't let black women play these roles like it should be played. Cause I think you do amazing. And even, you know, whatever kind of negative flaws you want to have to her, you just, it's something on TV that you need to see. Cause everybody's oh, not sure. one way. Right. Yeah, so yeah. what, when, as soon as I turn this on the first thing, the first, the scene actually that keeps playing in my head, her building the bomb in the first episode keeps playing in my head because I love action. I love watching all the sci-fi stuff, but you don't see that. Like, when are you going to see a black woman like sitting there? She's intricate. She's not just doing like, oh, let me put the yellow in the red wire. Like she's physically building this bomb. And then you think she's sitting there with her bae, her boo and everything and everything's just going fine. It's going cool. And then she steps out and the house is like, just, just explodes. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? Like, is this the whole seat? Like, is this how we're going to go with this? Like, this is how the season is going. Like, what do you remember about that scene? And just, I just feel like it's got to be cool to be like a badass in like some of these moments. Oh, for sure. I mean, what a blessing. And what I love about this character is that she's so full of contradictions. Like what you say when she builds a bomb, right? She is so particular and so, um, so specific with everything she does. Mm -hmm. And even when she seems like she's unspecific um, and just casual. And yet she wants to be seen and she wants to disappear. So yeah, she's undercover, but she has all these colors in her hair and she's this wild personality. And I think too, she's a person where her job is to infiltrate all these different environments. And that kind of allows her to tap into all the colors of her own humanity. And that's, she loves her job in that sense because she's actually secretly an artist you see in episode four she has this bigness inside of her that she's that's just itching to come out i think yeah. every black woman could relate to that the world mm -hmm. wants us to be one way or puts this idea of us on this another way and then you know we're strong and sensitive and we have all these different colors to us it's great what was the like can you walk us through what was weapons training like because we know that she has like the um the baton that's like her signature if you guys go back to the history of the character of the comics which i'm going back to i'm like going to get through a series and i want to go back through some of the history on the character but what was that like how and how much of it do you get to do like do you get to have fun with we i have a lot of fun with weapons training uh they took me to this like shooting range but not really actual bullets or live ammunition but it was still, you got the feel of weapons training. And then I got to work with uh, CSC stunts. Actually, I was working with them before I even got the role. I was working with them before I even got the audition, actually, at the beginning of March, 2020, just as the pandemic hit, I was working with CSC stunts. You could follow them on Instagram. It's a black owned martial arts training stunts, uh, stunt school. Uh, specifically for actors and performers and they teach you tricking and all that stuff so I'm just in my living room learning these kicks and things I didn't yeah, know it's it crazy yeah right I didn't know it would come in handy for this role but <laughs> uh, I was just learning it and I was doing that with them while I was training in Toronto and I was working with stunt coordinators so it was grueling but it was also really helpful to the character because I could tell that this character is a person where her body is such a weapon and that's the only function it serves. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, um, I, I'm curious to know, do you think, okay, we talked about a little bit about her personality and how the characters developed and what she kind of means to people, you know, whether you're going to go, the, you know, the far negative yeah. tip or, you know, you bring it back a little bit. Yeah. But I'm curious, do you think, because I'm, I'm, I'm torn on this, is it like a mental thing where it's like she's been through so much crap in her life and nobody should have to deal with some of the stuff she's been through? Or is it that she's got this calculating thing going and everybody else needs to catch up? It's I'm like, I'm, I'm turning the, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what, what is going on? Yeah. 
It, like, listen, I I don't want to just sound like I was just bashing her. I do love her. I, I think she's the best parts of me and the worst parts of me and all of us at the same time. And I think that's why people identify with her so much. Mm -hmm. She's someone that never complains and is always hitting the ground running and is always looking for the next problem to solve. Yep. And yet at the same time, in terms of social <laughs> responsibility, she, she can learn. She has areas of growth, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would like yeah. to say, but I definitely do love her. And um, I do, and I, you know, I never think trauma is an excuse for bad behavior, but she's definitely been through some stuff. And you, by the time the next episode actually rolls around and by the time the season's over, you're gonna learn, you're gonna understand more about her. And uh, I think that's honestly the recurring theme for every character in the show. Uh, their behavior is not always the best, but under the circumstances, they're doing the best they can. <laughs> yeah. And I think that there's something to say for that, for that human behavior. That's a very um, empathetic approach to understanding human behavior. Oh, look, I'm also rooting for her to get some sleep too. Like I'm hoping, Ooh. I'm hoping that's coming up because I like I feel for her. I'm like I do not know how she's continuing to go like this. Like I would be done. Like she's having to protect people like every moment. Um, York and Dr. Man, we got to get to that. What is it like working with uh, Diana being on set? You guys are like you probably have a lot of fun because just the moment those are like the fun moments, the fun breaks we get from like all the series that's going on. Kind of yeah. seeing you guys a little bit yeah they're they're great they're i love working with them they're such an awesome team they're such good sports diana i mean she's a dream and ben is such a fantastic teammate uh yeah our our chemistry is really special on and off camera um all three of us and um there's no one else i would love to have night shoots with <laughs> as much as them <laughs> but also too i think the nature of how we were filming and where we were filming. We were filming in Toronto during a pandemic. Everything was shut down, the entire city. We really only had each other to lean on. And even though I'm not in scenes with a lot of people, uh, we all got very close. It felt as though we were a tight play theater yeah. ensemble almost. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that because it's interesting that this was this was like a comic, you guys, for listeners that know that was like in 2002 and you can bring it into the scenario now mm -hmm. and think about like, you know, what if this was taken away and that was taken away and how would people react and what groups would they form and everything? Um, and I think that's what's so interesting about watching um, uh, Agent 355 and watching um, Dr. Man and because they and your because you guys are like you guys essentially are walking around with the answers that everybody doesn't know yet. And you're trying to protect your keep going, you know, trying to get them going. What um, I'm curious too. what do you think the relationship between you working with Diane Lane is so like, I love you guys are scenes, by the way, on there. But what do you think with uh, Congressman Jennifer Brown? What do you think like her and, and Agent 355's relationship is like because now they're kind of getting to this kind of mixed up part where you can't really tell how they're how they're vibing with each other. Yeah, that's really fun. I really love that relationship. It's super special to me because it's. It's. Well, Diane Lane is so fantastic. She's such a fantastic, generous scene partner. And what I love about their, the relationship between Agent 355 and uh, President Brown is that Agent 355 sees, she, she desperately wants to be of service to someone and serve a purpose in that way. And in the only way she kind of knows how, and now that the Copa ring has kind of dissipated, she uh, isn't sure about that she kind of flocks to the side of Jennifer Brown, not just because she's the president, but because she can tell that she's a good person. Like this is a strong, like respectable woman 
who, when she has that speech inside the Pentagon and she controls the room, mm-hmm. that's what 350, she said, I want to get next to that woman. Right. And I yeah. want to learn from her and I want to protect her and, and, and serve her. And then at the same time, when it comes to Yorick, it's like Jennifer turned so soft, you could tell that she's just a civilian that got promoted. Because 355 <laughs> is a general, you know, at the heart of hearts, she's a soldier. And she kind of, she wants to respect Jennifer Brown, but she knows Jennifer can't make the right call when it comes to this particular moment. And also at the same time, I think 355 is also harboring a lot of guilt or, or like a survival's guilt, yes, but also guilt that she thinks the Copa Ring might have had something to do with whatever the event happened. So I think in a way, if anything bad happens to Jennifer Brown, that would also be on 355. So protecting York isn't about also saving the world, getting closer to the Copa Ring and giving herself some purpose. It's also about protecting Jennifer Brown. Um, and speaking of Jennifer Brown too, on that tip, are you where are there are there ever scenes when you guys are doing a table reads when you're like, okay, I'm very surprised that these women are gonna do this or this is their reaction to this? Because look, y'all, we can have like standoffs at the Costco or Sam's or something. I'm like, what's what's the whole thing that's going on right now? Um, you know, but you also understand it because you know it's that survival mode you get into. So were there mm-hmm. like were there any kind of were there scenes where you like, Man, I didn't think about that, but I guess you gotta do what you gotta do to survive. Right, you know. I don't know if anything's about you want to talk about standoffs at the Costco. <laughs> yeah, like, listen, y'all, by the way, they, it was a Costco, it says, but a little, I think it was like a save or something like that with uh, with Missy Powell, by the way, acting her butt off as Roxanne, um, oh, you know, okay. leading this leading this group of y'all like hardcore. Like, I was scared. I'm like not walking up trying to get no food or nothing from her. But <laughs> you just, you just, it was just like kind of what you kind of thought about being submersed in this world and how, how it's pulling the fans in and just what people will do to survive when you get in this moment you know but the thing is we've kind of lived this moment before you want to talk about standoffs at the costco i remember yeah 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 yeah. i i i could never see people differently after (laughs) i saw they they were buying buying up baby food buying up toilet paper truth right now yep Mm. so we've seen we've seen the ugliest sides of people but also you'll see the most beautiful sides of people when it comes down to survival and I wouldn't say I was wildly surprised. You, you'd be su- I, I don't think I was wildly shocked to see what people would do when their back is against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, especially that, I mean, all of the Amazons in this series are just incredible, incredible performances. Marin Island, Olivia, Missy Pyle, Elliot, um, Elliot Fletcher, just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and it's so, but yeah, they're at like you guys have to check this out. It's just it's amazing because you always see people throw around a term like, well, you know, um, women need to be able to do this, we need to run this, and it's just amazing to see like how the women divide themselves in certain ways, you know. And then, like you said, you see the beautiful part too of how they have mm-hmm. to come together, and it's that survival mode because it's like you all you have left, you got to figure it out. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's so dope, and I'm just I'm very curious to see like as you guys continue to fold and the time period that we're in. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a little different because, you know, we're, we're in the COVID and everything, but it's at the same time, your survival mode. So you get to see like, yeah. I think the, the most striking thing that resonated with me about these scripts was that you really see how um, patriarchy doesn't die or uh, patriarchy doesn't die with men, quote unquote, right. you know, mm-hmm. um, the same way racism doesn't die with white people. And the same way sexism won't die or any of the, capitalism doesn't die with the rich necessarily. We all still 
are going to function. All of these systems of oppression exist in us. And you see, even after into this new world, okay, what does this system, what does this system look like, right? So you have this patriarchal figure in Missy Pyle, and you have all these Amazonians or Amazons trying to kind of vie for her love and attention. And then you also have a patriarchal figure in uh, 355, because that's the only way she was trained, right? She doesn't know anything better. And then, um, yeah, you're going to explore all these themes. I really consider this show to be a, a form of social science fiction in a way right yeah i mean that's definitely true but you know i guess speaking of social too do we get and this is probably gonna be a yes or no or ryan keep it pushing because i can't tell you do we get more <laughs> of do we get more of agent uh 355 like her because we see a little bit of her background we know what we know we kind of get it a glimpse of what happened to her parents because she has these vivid like i guess dreams when she's walking around not being able to sleep and you can kind of get like a little glimpse into her psyche um, do you have like some fun moments coming up where we really get to figure out, okay, okay, this is who this woman is. Yeah. So I like, I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm very excited yeah, to kind of see yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see where it goes. You're going to see, uh, as we filmed this, only the sixth episode just came out. The seventh episode is dropping at Comic-Con this weekend, actually. But uh, yeah, you're going to, all these questions will be answered. <laughs> look i'm i'm excited because yeah do you want i'm curious kind of shifting gears here are you do you want to do like more action in the future because i i think that would be so cool do you want to keep doing kind of this stuff or kind of mix it up and do some different things do you oh, like for sure <laughs> oh for sure i love action i would love to do action um again you know i want to explore the expansiveness of the human expression or whatever so i would love to do uh action i'd love to do a movie musical i think filming that dance sequence in the fourth episode was <laughs> so much fun um i want to do more of that yeah yeah that oh. would be look i gotta ask you though as we kind of like as we kind of wrap it here what okay if asian 355 can because we're in a comic world if she could tag yeah. if she could tag somebody in because look york and dr man they need some help like they kind of doing their thing yeah. a little bit but she need i feel like she need a tag partner so she don't always <laughs> have to be the one like up in the middle of the night so like who can she tag in and like on these <laughs> little ventures Oh, Michonne, absolutely. <laughs> Who else? I love Michonne it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, listen, I will watch that. That need to be like season two somehow. I don't know. Sometimes they got to watch it. They got to work that in. Yeah, let's, let's make it happen. Let's manifest this. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Ashley, thank you so much. You guys, you better check it out. FX on Hulu. Why the Last Man is so dope. You'll have like tons of questions, tons of things to talk to your friends about. Again, Ashley, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And whenever there's a day when I feel like I'm tired of adulting, I'll be like, thank God I'm not in high school. You know, because, oh, y'all, high school. And then, like, what's worse than high school could be summer school. And right now, if you are not watching Star Girl Season 2, you got no idea what I'm talking about, but you need to catch up and get ready for it because my guest today, I am such a fan. I enjoyed her so much season one. She plays uh, Beth Chapel, Dr. Midnight. She knows how to rock a green cape, which I am not mad at. What's up, Angelica Washington? How you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be to have back. You I know this is so cool. Um, loving season two, how you guys are diving in here. Um, but I want to start with um, first of all, shout out to your IG page, by the way, because you have the prettiest pictures. And I know it's got to be so hard for you guys, like taking in everybody's opinions and also kind of showing a little bit of yourself as well. But I saw this one post though where you said um, 
you're a combination of sensitive and savage. And I feel like Beth Chapel starts out very sensitive. So I feel mm-hmm. like we have to mix it up with her this season. How are you feeling about playing her this season? Uh, great. I love it. And I think that you're completely right. We get to see um, Beth in season two kind of have a little bit of her glow up moment where she really finds her power and gets to step into who she is a little bit more. Me as Angelica, I'm 100% sensitive and also 100% savage with no Fs to give. So I completely tried to like splash that in with my Beth Chapel in season two, just because I think she deserves it. She's, she's had a lot. She's like, she's been through a lot already. I'm like, these 16 year olds are stressed out. They're out here saving the world. Her parents are getting divorced. I mean, then she's like a straight A student. It's like, she's going through a lot right now and she's dealing with racist people. It's just too much, you know? So um, she had to, she had to have a little sprinkle of savage in her for the season. Yeah, I love it, especially dealing with a uh, shade um, um, and eclipse. So, like bringing those new villains in, and I like seeing her have her yeah. moments because, like, for me personally, you want to always like hug Beth because she's just so sweet and <laughs> she's just like, okay, I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna try to like make everybody come together in this moment. And we're gonna try to get along, but she has her moments even this season where she's like, okay, look, enough is enough. Like, we got these new villains mm-hmm. coming in, things are changing up. Like you said, on the personal level. Um, and speaking of which, too, on a personal level, her parents, wh- how do you feel, um, you know, being a black woman and be able to, and sometimes when we have these roles, they don't show like both parents in the household, even though there's like a different mix up this season with both parents. Um, how has that been for you to kind of play that? Um, and then also, you know, Beth dealing with like discovering her parents or working through a divorce and working through some relationship issues. Yeah, well, I grew up in a two parent household. Um, so I have a great relationship with my parents which I am am so grateful for. And I also do wish that we saw that more on TV, particularly in households of people of color, especially black households, Latinx households. Um, We don't get to see that enough. I think we see always one parent is dead or in jail or prison or or some sort of that type of thing. Um, Whereas we see oftentimes in white households that they get two parents all the time. So I love seeing that we get to have an educated smart, um, but also like quirky girl with her awesome parents who are growing up um, or who she's growing up with, which is awesome. However, they aren't too awesome about her now, are they? Which is um, unfortunate part. But I think that there's some parents who can relate to that too, because there's parents who are like, I love my kids, but they are too much. They're like always under me and they're just always around me and they're so annoying. And so that's what I was using because when I was growing up, my mom used to call me her shadow because I would follow her everywhere. Yeah. I would just like be underneath my mom all the time. And I honestly still am. I've spoken to my mom twice today already. It's 3 PM. Like, why have I called her twice already? Just because I just need to, I need her to know that I'm having avocado toast for breakfast. And I just need her to know that I'm on my way to set. Like, I just need my mom to know, you know? Um, and that is exactly how Beth is. So we definitely relate so much on that. Um, when it comes to Beth experiencing her parents, you know, getting a divorce. I think it is very relatable because um, I am very blessed that my, I can say that my parents are still together, been married for 35 years. However, 
most of my friends growing up, parents were getting divorces, like in high school or in junior high, or even as being an adult now, you know, so it's very relatable. And I don't think that the impact changes you based on if you were like 12 or if you're 18, I think a lot of people still feel those same feelings. So I just tried to really go into that of like what that feels like and the experiences that my friends had had and, um, you know, how lonely that feels and how teenagers really, I wouldn't even say teenagers, I'd say people in general, you often think it's your fault, you know, especially younger kids, they blame themselves for their parents getting divorced. And we get to kind of see Beth go through that. And although it's very confusing for her because she's like, I'm literally a perfect child. How could it be my fault? This makes no sense. (laughs) So we get to see her really experience that, um, in a way that I'm really happy for people to see. So if you haven't watched it, please go watch it. I yes, go check it out. Shout out for 35 years, by the way, um, for your parent. But I, I totally agree with you. I call my mom all the time. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't just like bounce ideas off of her. Um, I was the same way, two-parent household. So yeah, I, it's just like being able to call our moms and just bug like the mess out of them. And they're like, oh my gosh, why is she calling me again for this question or something like that? Yep, 100%. Even though my mom tells me, she's like, I don't mind. You know what? My mom is retired now. I have older parents. I'm like the late, late child. I have four older brothers. Okay, so you get it. So I'm the late, late child. So my mom is retired now, along with my dad. And I call my mom all the time. And I'm like, I must be so annoying. I'm like really Bething you today. Like I'm really, (laughs) I'm really Bething you. And she's like, I don't mind. I think it's great. She's like, I just remind myself, my friends would dream to have their daughters call them like multiple times a day. And I'm like, okay, whatever helps you get through the day. Cause I'm like, I must be annoying. I (laughs) must be. Um, but I think it's special. And I also feel so grateful and blessed that I want to call my mom and I want to talk to her and that I like her. Like I genuinely like everyone, you can love your parents, but it's different when you like, like them too, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just am so grateful that I actually like my parents a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I like too, the fact that when you, like you said, uh, it's very important. This is on TV where people can see that there is not one way, um, you know, there are two parent households in black communities. Um, but you know, also into like the way that it makes her very independent and self-sufficient and, you know, she's cooking the meals and breakfast and everything. Like, you know, she can do her own little, you know, just like she's keeping this train going while her parents, you know, are at the office doing other kind of stuff. So I think that's just so cool to see. Yeah, especially because she's an only child as well. And I also think it's fun to highlight how independent a lot of only children really are. Like uh, most of my friends who are only children, I almost feel like they don't need people. Like they are happy on their own. They're content. They can cook their own food, do their own laundry, live their whole day to day. And they don't need anyone to talk to them. They're like, I'm fine. I'm great. Everything's great. You know, and, and and exactly. And Beth is still an extrovert, I believe, but she is just very um, able to recharge on her own and, and, and then expel tons of energy to other people, which is really fun to play. It's a lot of energy for Angelica, but it is really fun to play. Look, I was going to say, you don't look like it's hard for you with the energy because they can't see you because of the podcast, but you're like smiling and moving and everything. Like I was like, the energy doesn't look like it's too hard for you. This is true. I am naturally a very energetic person. So Beth and I are very similar in a lot of ways. I'm naturally really optimistic and positive. I'm really energetic. I'm very animated as you, as you can see me, they can, I'm using my hands a lot. Like very, I like it. Very animated person. So, um, me and Beth definitely have a lot of that in common, but 
to do this for like 15 hours a day sometimes is a lot because then I actually do have to go home after a long day of filming and be like, okay, I'm, I love you all, but I have to go to sleep so I can wake up and do it again. So I can give Beth all of Angelica's real energy because she sucks it out of me. So by the time it's the end of the day, if I've been on set 15 hours, I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't have any more for, for the rest of the world from me. So I gave it all to Beth. So good night. Love you all. See you tomorrow. And then that's it. <laughs> Look, let me tell you what sucked my energy out because I'm such a huge Beth Chapel fan that I was so hurt when this happened. When the when they stepped on the goggles, when yes. you didn't have the AI goggles anymore, I was like, are they kidding me? What's going on here? Where, what are we going to do without Chuck? How did you feel when you read that? I was actually so sad when I read that. And then I was like, where am I? am I gonna am I getting am I getting kicked off the show let me know what's happening because you know they they, they do stuff like that you just never know you gotta be on your toes <laughs> all the time um especially on a show like this but I I was really really sad because season one Beth had spent so much time cultivating this relationship with Chuck through her goggles which is the only real thing that makes her a superhero right is like these goggles they give her they're like her superhero item right because we're on our show for those of you who don't know we're not like superman um where we just all are superheroes randomly we each have an item that make makes us a superhero and for right, beth yeah. chapel her goggles that make her dr midnight um she's also extremely intelligent and very bright and a genius type of person, which is a superhero in her own right, just as like a a human type of strength, but her goggles give her her supernatural um, power. And so when that was shattered and taken away, I was like, oh no, they're, they're stripping me of being a superhero, which then I was like, oh my gosh, do I have to like go on social media and tell everyone I'm not a superhero anymore? Like that's really embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. So I really hope we find a way back to this because if that's taken away, not only from me, but from Beth, like that was her best friend. And so I just imagine, like, imagine your best friend, the one person in life that you feel like understands you the most. And then that being taken away from you, you know, like by an evil villain at that named Icicle. I mean, come yeah. on, you know, ah, it's just Icicle, a- why? 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 It was just so terrible. So I was really sad, really, really, really sad. But in season three, she has the goggles. Still no Chuck, if if you're watching. Still no Chuck. No but damn. the goggles um, are not the same. You know, she she they they she has them, but it's it's not the same. There's no Chuck. There's no AI. It's 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 sad. It's just really sad. Filming season yeah. two was sad. Right. And look, going into going into like we're not episodes in, I won't spoil it for everybody, but it's really it's sad. But there's also a cool angle that comes to her not having Chuck like right away that I think is is so cool. Was that fun for you? Like whatever you can tease or you want to say about it. Was that fun for you to kind of take that different angle? Because she looks so sad starting off the new season, but it kind of gives her this like this new mystery. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it was it's Beth's biggest journey in season two. Um, it's kind of like filling that void and, and finding, you know, um, trying to figure out other ways to be with Chuck without it having to be necessarily through the goggles. I'm trying to like figure out how to say that in a non-spoiler right. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was an interesting journey um, with, with the family stuff and then the goggles 
cool stuff. And then her team, and then her team is, you know, going to jail and the other teammates leaving. It's like just so much is happening. I just keep telling people like these teenagers are stressed. Okay. Um, we can't knock teenagers because they really do be going through some stress. So yeah, they, they have, she has a lot on her plate this season. A lot, a lot. So yes, it's a lot going on in this, but I do like how everybody's coming together. Star girl, our man, wildcat. I like how you guys are finally, cause I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like some type of way season one, because I was like, why are they always like leaving uh Beth or not, you know, cause it was like, you were trying to follow along and you have like all the, you know, the fact yeah, that they, they need, need but they would just take off. Yeah. They would just like take yeah. off. And I was like, wait, you need her to give like the, the information first, then take off. Yeah. Yep. You're completely right. They would just leave me behind. They were like, bye girl, we out of here. Um, but you know what? They started to see how valuable Beth was. Okay. Yes. And what she brings to the table and that she is an asset to this team and that they actually need her because, you know, it's fine. You can go run after the villains all you want, but if you don't even know where they are, how are you going to get there? You know, so they really need me. They do need me. And I also think um, episode eight, which is one of my favorite episodes that we got to film this season, is so special to me because I think Beth really got to show her mental toughness. I I find on social media, in my DMs and my comments all the time, people love to remind me that Beth is the weakest of them all. And Beth doesn't deserve to be in the JSA, blah, 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 and all the other terrible things people like to tell me. However, I believe that in episode eight, Beth proves how tough she really is. And sometimes toughness is not always in physicality. It's not always how hard you can punch or fast you can run or how heavy you can lift. Sometimes your mental toughness and your emotional strength to handle adversity is even stronger than just how heavy of a car you can lift. I think sometimes in what we can all take away in our own personal lives, I believe, or at least what I definitely took away from Beth and from that episode and the writing of it and the real moral of the story was like emotional and mental strength is just as equally important, if not more important to how strong your and healthy your body is. How healthy is your mind though? You know, because my castmates are really strong, but they don't have it up here. They don't have the the brain power to withstand their biggest fears. When Beth was put up against that obstacle, she was the only one who was actually able to overcome her biggest fears. And for that, I think that she is an extreme asset to the team. Yeah, it's something to be said. And I, and I think that's what I liked about it too, what I kind of gravitated growing up and I had to learn. Like, you know, sometimes when you're like, when you're thinking about it, when you're processing it, when you're sitting back, people thinking, oh, well, she she's not ready for this. She's not handling it right. That's not what we're supposed to do. But, you know, like we keep saying, Beth has all the knowledge when everybody's just taking off running and fighting the villains. It's like, wait and get the information and then go out. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of like my parents used to always tell me when I was a kid, like, think before you speak or think before you act. And that's what Beth does. She thinks before she acts and she thinks before she speaks, whereas her teammates don't, they just get this impulse and they just go and they run after things, but they don't always see the the big picture. They don't always have the clarity that they need in order to win the fight. And that's why in season one, we lost so dang much because they weren't listening to me. They were just like (laughs) leaving me behind and they're like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then they did. And then we would lose and we'd get our butts kicked by the ISA. And I'd be like over there saying like, you shouldn't listen to me. Why didn't you listen to me? 
you know? Yeah, she like this. I think this too, like what made the goggles thing so like such a huge thing. Cause it was like so many moments where I was like, Beth is trying to tell you guys, she's trying to tell you <laughs> like what check is telling you what's going on. And they're just like, nah, nah, we got it. We got it. We got our weapons out ready to go. Like you said, right. sometimes people just want to lift that car first. And it's just like, well, wait a little minute, you know, read some instructions first or something. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely need to like read the instructions before you try to put the table together or sometimes you will break the table. And that is exactly what we did in season one. But we are a little bit more of a a well-oiled machine come season two. And um, we're filming season three right now, which is really exciting. Mm. So that has been really fun just to get back together with um, my castmates and explore this even new journey that we're going on here for season three. So that's been really great. So I did not die. For those of you who keep telling me that Eclipse is going to kill me in season two, I did not die. If you already, it's already out there, but if you haven't watched it in episode eight, I am alive. Thank you very much. Ooh, thank God. You know, I see, I don't like when people do that on social media. They make me nervous. Okay. Don't be trying to come for Beth and Dr. Midnight. Like, don't try to make me nervous when I'm trying to watch. Um, but you know what? I really was worried that I was going to die. So it's not a, they're completely valid. Every episode that I was reading, like yeah. every week we got a new episode, like a new script, because we don't really get it that far ahead. We get it like sometimes a couple days before we start filming that next episode, I genuinely was like, this is the episode I've done. Every time I would open my email and be like, this is the episode where I die. I'm going to die this episode. And just be like so nervous because in the comics, episode does kill Beth Chapel. So you just never know in the shows if they're going to go exactly how the comics are or if they're not. However, it's not over. It's not over. Eclipso can still kill me. Okay. It's just no, 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 Angelica. I'm taking it back. Don't, don't jinx us. Do not put that out there. Listen, we know it's comic world. Listen, well, I'm being optimistic one on this. Okay. We're not putting it out there, even though we know this is the comic world. We know. This is true. It's scary because, because there's no show without people dying. So you just never know. You never know what hero, what villain, when it's your time to go. I, I asked for a heads up, but they don't really do that on our show. So you just literally don't know. So they're like, well, you'll find out when you read the episode and you read the script. I'm like, oh, Uh-oh. fun. Love that. <laughs> well, hey, hey, listen, just in case, I need to ask you, though, about this wardrobe. Though. I got to go back to this for a minute. How okay. are you with getting the like, because sometimes she doesn't put the whole uh, uniform on just putting like on the goggles or is the uniform heavy when you guys are like out on your scouting trying to protect the town and everything oh, like that? Good Lord. Yes. That cape. Let me tell you about the cape. The cape alone is 13 pounds. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but when it's just attached to your neck and it's dragging behind you, yes. now you're trying to run sometimes. That's a very heavy thing for your neck. I'm only five foot. Okay. So that is a lot for my little teeny neck, you know, like, on it or something? Oh, all the time. I wish we had a blooper reel of the amount of times Cameron who plays our man has choked me by stepping on my cape accidentally. And I just get jerked back. We it, all the time. Breck has done it to me. Yvette has done it to me. Every single castmate has done it to me, not on purpose, but it's just also because my cape, you know, was the original Dr. Midnight's cape. So it's extremely long on me. So it drags on the ground. So when they step, they just like happen to grab me and pull me back. And it's really not the best time, but I do love my suit and I love 
my cowl and everything. It is not a in and out type of suit. I have to braid all my hair down in order to get the cowl to go. The cowl is like the, the face part uh-huh. um, to go all the way through. And um, my suit has a lot of pieces. I think it has, it has the most pieces of the JSA for sure. So there's a lot of little moving parts in there that people don't really get to see, but um, it's a heavy, a heavy suit with a lot of layers. It's there's like five layers under there. It's a lot going on, but it's fun. It's really fun. It's like how many people on earth get to say they have a super suit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you wear like, can I just say you wear this very well? Because this could go, it could go left. Like when you find out the costume that Dr. Midnight has, and then like you Mm -hmm. said, the long cape that you got to deal with, it could go definitely left. Thank you. I try. I mean, I don't really try, but the super suit team tries very hard. Thank you so much. Super suit team, everyone who designed it. I appreciate you. Um, they made it very flattering for my body type, which is really, really important to me. Cause you know, a little girl over here, I got a little thigh, a little booty, a little stuff, a little something, something. So it has to like fit me, you know, fit my curbs. Right. But also not in like a super suit super fitted way because it was a man's suit um but I think just right it's perfect yeah for all the all the curvy women out here that like to see the superheroes and here like the representation it is great so yeah if you guys even just just go check that out and then I'm promise you you're going to get pulled into this season and want to get through season one and get into season two because it's going to be I'm already feeling this epic like nine episodes in it's it's some stuff going down like these kids are going through it these high schools are going through it um Angelica as we kind of go ahead Oh, I was just saying, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Um, as we wrap up here, I want to ask you, what, what is your most challenging scene? Have you had that really tough, challenging scene yet? Going in for season two. Uh, yeah, actually, for sure. My most challenging scene for season two was definitely the scenes that I had with uh, Milo, who plays young Bruce, which is young Eclipso, the little boy um, in mainly episode eight, but I, I think I, did I have scenes with him before episode eight? No, I don't think so. I think it was just episode eight. Um, those scenes were really challenging just because there was, um, wording that he was uncomfortable with. If you don't know, we do handle the topic race in that episode. And it was great for me actually, because it was really important to me that all of the words and things he was saying to me were things that have actually been said to me before. So I did get to work with um, Steve Harper, who was the writer of that episode and our showrunner and creator, Jeff Johns, and got to like add in a lot of um, stuff that had actually been said to me. So I got to kind of sit a little bit in um, writing sessions with them and, and talk about how I wanted Beth to handle racist rhetoric because it had to feel so real for me, not only um, Angelica, but I wanted Beth to really feel real. And I wanted people to really see like, we love Beth. She's so sweet, so optimistic and so positive, but that doesn't mean she's not going to experience racism. She just, because she's a superhero doesn't mean she won't experience racism. She is a black woman. Therefore she will in this country period. And so I really wanted to show the difference of like, I am a superhero, but the way I'm treated is going to be different from my teammates, you know, just because of who I am in the world and the way that I show up and my natural authentic authentic self is different than some of my castmates. So um, I would say that the only reason it was as difficult was because I also had never um, 
had the privilege maybe I, I don't know I've never had scenes where I've actually got to handle race all the projects I've done so far have been very positive very girl power um, I've got to handle some sexism and things like that but had not really done race yet and as much as I am the human that I am as a person um, definitely doesn't stand for things like that so it was exciting for me to put a lot of who I am as Angelica in empowering Beth to do the same and I love filming with Milo he is him and his family they're so great they're they're real like it is so refreshing to meet real allies and work with real allyship and the way that he came in knowing what he was saying and he actually didn't want to do the scenes where he was saying all of like the like you people and like all the really like nasty stuff he was saying to me, he didn't want to say it. And I actually had to have a sit down and talk with him for 10 minutes and be like, hey, you have to say these things to serve my story. Because if you don't say these things, these are things people have actually said to me in real life. And I want the world to know how mean and evil they were. So I need you to say it because people have to hear it. They have to hear it and feel it to really understand how awful these things are. And when they do, then they'll understand that racism is so evil, you know, as it is. And it was so nice that because he already knew how evil it was. And he was like, this has gone too far. He's like 10 years old. And he's like, this is too much. Yeah, like yeah. I can play an evil, bad person, but I'm not going to be a racist. Like, that's not what I'm going to do. Um, so it was just really great to talk with him and his parents. And they're doing such a great job relating to him and having him understand the gravity of, of privilege, right? And what his white male privilege means for him and how he can use that as an ally to change the world and also to just make the world a better place. So it was really, really great filming with him, but I'd say that that was the most challenging scene, but also probably the most rewarding. Yeah, and I love too that you said, I think very important in everything that you're sharing with us right now is that communication. The fact that you were asked, okay, how does this need to go? Because like you said, there's a, it's a unique experience being a black woman in America. Racism is going to happen. And so to right. have, to be able to be asked that question and to have it played out where it's truth and authentic um, and, you know, not somebody trying to say, oh, this is what I think is going to happen. Or this is what I think happens. Mm -hmm. it, it's really important to have these conversations with our writers and with our showrunners and our creators and producers, because I personally don't without a conversation um I don't really see how like a white man or a white woman could really write a story of racism that I've experienced right I I, I personally don't unless it was like a, an instance that they saw firsthand and they're now rewriting that experience that they watched happen. You know what I mean? In that right, case, yeah. it's different, but I do think that these conversations are necessary. And I think that it only made the episode more powerful and more real and authentic because it was things that have actually happened to me and things that have actually been said to me. And that was why I was very particular about the wording and very particular about the specific racist phrases that were being said because I wanted it to be real not like we were making something up you know what I mean right yeah yeah this is very important when you have like the platform and you know you're going to have different eyes when you're in the comic book world that also opens up to people being able to see how truth that was I enjoyed I hope you guys go check it out episodes one through nine now CW app just CW you know catch it when it comes out um That's live on air but um also okay last thing here and i'm gonna wrap up because i keep going all day talking to you about all these different things <laughs> and the and the characters and everything uh DC fandom, 
yeah, DC fandom is coming up. Do you, as a now being a part of this world, do you kind of get to sit back and check out some of the panels? Are you still, are you so busy because you're filming now? How does that work for you? I watch a lot of panels, actually. Um, I enjoy when a lot of the other casts do panels and things like that. Um, I'm pretty much like the biggest fan of like every black woman on DC TV. I follow them all. I'm obsessed with them. I'm also just like a girl's girl and um, I'm very uh, proud to be a black woman. So I'm very inspired and I love to follow all my black girls because we're all in this together. However, I have not had the chance to meet them at all because of COVID. So because of like, unfortunately, it's like the time that our show has come out, we haven't been able to go to any comic cons. We haven't been able to do any upfronts or any premieres or anything like that. But I did run into Javicia very quickly. Javicia Leslie, who plays Batwoman, ran into her very quickly um, in LA, like when she was at a brunch with some friends and she looked real cute. I was like, hey girl. Um, And she was so nice. We took a picture together. And then ran out and I was a hot mess. I literally was just like going to grab breakfast and like didn't plan on seeing anyone, but like it's LA. So you always will, but like it I was really, really, but I'm gonna buy it. Oh my gosh. You have to see the picture. It's uh, I posted <laughs> it on my Instagram. It's somewhere out there, but she was, it was so sweet. And it felt like I had known her for so long. Like it felt like we'd hung out multiple times, never met this woman in my life, but because we just are like in the same world, it was like, it just felt like, hi, oh my gosh, we like hugged. And then everyone was like, oh my gosh, you know each other. We're like, no, we've never met before, but <laughs> this is great. We like follow each other on Instagram and we like, you know, connect over social media. So that was that. But um, I would love to do more panels with them. I would love to like, I don't know, have an opportunity to meet them somehow. I think that would be really cool. And I look forward to one day doing a crossover with them. I absolutely know when that will be. I have absolutely no idea when that will be, but I hope that we get to do a crossover with them one day. That would be so, so fun. So, yeah, and I also cool. would yeah, that would be so cool. Like to have all you guys, like just imagine a crossover of all these like badass black women that are on these CW shows. That'd be so cool. I want to do like that, like the Avengers moment, like in, um, end game where they had like all their heroes like standing together i want to do yep. something like that but i want it to be all women like all women yes. of dc tv yep. i think that would be so dope um which wait they did do that in end game i know i'm saying they didn't do that they did indeed do that but i would like to also do that yes. um but yes. with all of us and i think that, that would be amazing and incredible and it would be like such a moment I would watch. so yes it would be yeah I, right? would be I think it would be so fun I even think we need to do commercials. Like, come on, branding. Like, we could do like a DCTV, like Black Girl Hair sponsorship, like something. Yes. Holla yeah. at me. If you're listening yeah. to Black Girl Nerds, holla at me. Um, send PR. <laughs> yes, Hi. yes. I love this. I love this. Yes, yes. I love do all of that things. Holler at her. Watch her on Starter. All of that stuff. All that good stuff. Watch yeah. all these beautiful, talented women on the CW. I love how it's mixing up. I love how the diversity is coming. So yeah, I'm excited. I would definitely watch that crossover. So I hope we're going to speak it out in existence. I hope it happens. Yes. Well, awesome. I, I also agree. And I hope so. This has been great. Thank you, Angelica. I appreciate it as always. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. You need to do one where they can see you because you're so fun to interact with. So next time I have to be like video recording. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I appreciate that. Yeah, because I'm just I'm chilling out in my little in my little nerd cave over here. So I'm glad you feel us enough energy coming through. 
<laughs> I love it. It looks great. And you look great. Like the whole vibe. I'm here for it. But thank you again so much for having me. This was so fun. And um, I can't wait for next time. I know. Yes, definitely. Next time I'm ready for season three. Got to get through season two. Oh, I'm so nervous for you guys. But yeah, I appreciate it as always. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you so much. Our finale is nuts, by the way. You're going to love it. Can't wait. Oh, there you guys go. Super teaser. Go check it out. All right. Bye, guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Angelica. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.